Brock returns, Brock returns, Brett returns, Sean retires, Nexus forms, sizzles, and fizzles, Brian's fired, Brian's rehired, Brian retires, Brian returns, Mickey James no sells a train, Undertaker no sells retirement, TNA no sells tickets, Dixie Carter no sells to Billy Corgan, Hogan's in TNA, Hogan's out of the Hall of Fame, Hogan returns to WrestleMania, Hogan returns to WrestleMania again, Divas Revolution, Women's Evolution, AEW, NWA, Saudi Arabia, once in a lifetime, twice in a lifetime, end of an era, end of talking smack, WWE Network, New Japan World, six star matches, Wrestle Kingdoms, WrestleManias, CM Punk Chants, Yes Chants, Yes Movements, All In, All Out, All Women's Pay-Per-Views, Women Main Event in WrestleMania, S-A-W-F-T to G, Double O, Double N, Double E. See Nations, Team Bring It, Cena Rises Above Hate, Seth Rollins Does Not, NXT, NXT UK, NXT, TakeOver, TakeOver, Everything Else in Quality, January 4th on American Cable, January 4th in the Tokyo Dome, Red Cubs, Fine Bubbly, Bullet Clubs, Young Bucks, New Day, New Companies, List of Jericho, List of KO, The Resurgence of Tag Team Wrestling, Triple H is champion, Daniel Bryan is not in the Rumble, Matt Hardy is broken, Bray Wyatt is the fiend, Ambrose is Moxley, WWE Hall of Famer is president, Linda is in the cabinet, Kane is in the office of Mayor, Cody, Kenny, and the Bucks are in Hot Topic, The Streak Falls, Tanahashi Rises, Tanahashi Rises again, Big Match John wins his 14th, TNA loses AJ Styles, Brock destroys Cena, Kenny and Okada destroy the rating scale, the fans destroy Naito, then rebuild him again, AJ, Nakamura, Steam, Generico, Kenta, Devitt, Rude, and Rousey all go north, the fortunes of TNA go south, Er, Fashion Files, Fandagoing, Claire Lynch, Dominic Mysterio, or Guerrero returns. Ray's daughter debuts. Aces and eights. They, the Shield, the Wyatt family. Ten, ten, ten. Forty man rumbles. Fifty man rumbles. Women's rumbles. Rusev is on a tank. Desmond is taking off sunglasses. Zack Ryder is buried, but not by the Undertaker. Ratings hit low. Stocks hit highs. Raw one thousand. Smackdown one thousand. Smackdown on Fox. Monday Night Wars. Wednesday Night Wars. Abyss is the new Hogan. AJ is the new Flair. Reigns is the new Cena. Vince is the new Vern, Undisputed Era are the new Horsemen, Brooklyn is the new New York City, Barclays is the new MSG, Becky is the new man, Aldous is the new Flair, but none of that is here nor there, because we have a whole new decade to gear up for now. But first, if you can't tell, we're raising a glass to celebrate the past. If it was one of our favorite things from one of our favorite forms of entertainment in the last 10 years, there's a great chance we'll be covering it in the next few episodes. Because it's the Pull Apart Podcast End of the Decade Awards, and we couldn't be more excited to get things going. Welcome to the Pull Apart <laughs> Podcast. This is Josh Heiser here with James Prophet. We are here celebrating the. It's December twenty third, twenty nineteen, which means there's nine years and. 11 months and some change worth of wrestling to go over. Yes, we've uh, we finished the last WWE special, finished the last AEW special. We're drinking wine, we're eating cookies, we're hanging out, it's late at night. I gotta be honest, James, I did not finish the last WWE pay-per-view. Okay, to be fair... There I, could be I a watched... match of the decade <laughs> hiding in there somewhere. 
I watched the main event and maybe the match or two before it. I can't remember them right now, but I did read a couple of reviews, and there apparently was not not, not worth it, not a even match of the night before <laughs> those. Maybe <laughs> cool. So yeah, yeah. So, so James, we 2010s. have 2010s. We're we gonna have, celebrate them. We have a few friends missing here tonight. Do you want to talk about? Your buddies? Yeah, yeah, your buddies too. So, originally, we mentioned in another episode, we were going to do this with our friend Ryan and our friend Tommy. Coordinating, sorry, coordinating, (laughs) got to hit both syllables there, coordinating schedules with adults is very hard. And so, this got pushed back twice already, okay? We had planned to do it today, which is uh, Tommy's birthday. Ryan still couldn't make it, so there was only going to be three of us. And then, because it's Tommy's birthday, it kind of needed to be a family night. Tommy, I just realized I forgot to tell you happy birthday. Yes, we it's love still you, Tommy. Happy the 23rd. Birthday. I could do it on Facebook right now, but it might be more fun to hear it on the podcast. So <laughs> There you go. Buddy. Happy birthday, Tommy. Happy birthday, Tommy. Um, so we will do our part of the... Um, what James has <laughs> word I'm looking for uh, cursed us all with made us all think for the last what, like two or three months, which is a list of what, what about thirty war awards twenty nine or something so like that. Fame. Yeah, we when did we decide to do this officially? Because like we had spitballed about. Do you want to go get that? Had to uh, pause the podcast, and we have our actual first guest ever. Yes, pretty adorable guest would with you, us. Since you, Ryan and Tommy couldn't make it, in their place we have. Would you like to introduce yourself, buddy? What's your name? Louis. Louis. He's my four-year-old. <laughs> He's eating chocolate at ten o'clock at night because I'm a good dad. <laughs> Louis, what do you think about wrestling? Awesome. 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 Do you have a favorite? Who's your favorite? (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one. That's a good one. He likes wrestling, like, actually wrestling more than watching it. Okay. You like wrestling with me? Well. Do you usually pin your dad, or does he pin you? He's very interested in the chocolate. chocolate. (laughs) All right. So what we were saying is we, James and I, and really the group, put up different ideas for different awards. We're not going to run through them one by one like an award show style, but we're just going to kind of bounce around and hit all the different topics. So James, do you want to throw out your first award? First award. Okay. Start with favorite new theme of the decade. Josh, you want to go first? So then? you mean to be clear, you mean theme like theme song? Theme song, yes. Well, Not like the bitterness of said wrestler. <laughs> when you so the title. It's funny you ask about this one, James, because this is going to be very indicative of my entire list. Okay. Um, I put thought into each one, but all the answers were Kenny Omega. All the <laughs> answers were Kenny Omega, even the best female wrestler, which I thought was oh weird. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Um. No, but my answer is Kenny Omega. So, the his theme song, which I think I may have mentioned before, I can't remember at this point. But okay, 
I should know the title. I will look it up while you're talking. But it's the one that sounds very big. Yeah, the New Japan one. Yes. Okay. So we saw, uh, James and I and Ryan and my friend Brian saw a Ring of Honor slash New Japan show. Mm -hmm. Worlds collide, right? I was nervous because it was a... The match that Kenny was in was a six-man tag, yeah, I with think. with the Bucks. And I was like, oh, I And it was he... the main event. It was the main event, but I was worried that they would do the Bullet Club theme and not his theme, which I was just really excited to hear live. Yes. So they come out to the Bullet Club theme, and they kind of just stand at the top of the whatever you call that. It wasn't a ramp, <laughs> but a stage. <laughs> and then it switched over to Kenny's music. I was beyond excited, James. So that made the whole night for me. Obviously, the match was great. I could barely see it through the standing room only ridiculous crowd. Never had. But hearing the theme live and all of the people geeking out all of our black t-shirts together was very exciting. Yes, what I saw of that match looked really good. But like Josh said, standing room, no seating, despite what the tickets said. (laughs) And... um, yeah, it was <laughs> it was really hard to make out much of anything that night. Um, wasn't happy with that, but we had a great time on the drive down. We had a great time talking about it afterwards, and Josh got to hear Kenny Omega's theme. So all of those Worth things ruled about it. Yeah, yeah, it was a cool night. All right, what Kenny about, Omega. What about you, James? Okay, so there are three that I really loved. Okay, okay. so. Um, Sami Zayn really loved the whole skanking thing. Uh, used to really like ska punk music, so mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. Um, AJ Lee's theme song. I did not expect to hear okay. her name this evening. And, and, yes, and not the lighted up one, but the really poppy sounding one before that. I yeah, really I liked. remember that one. Mm-hmm. But my number one, the one that, and again, with, I should also mention Cult of Personality because it ruled. Yeah, that was my honorable mention. But. I went with Paige, okay? okay? And I'm like I like Paige. I'm not like a huge Paige fan or anything like that. I'm a kind of general generic Paige fan. Mm-hmm. But that theme, I want to just every time I hear it, I just picture myself in our local concert venue hall Bogarts down in the basement hearing some band going I don't even know what kind of music I'd put it in. It's sort <laughs> yeah. of alternative-ish, I guess. But yeah, it's a great wrestling song. And the whoa oh is 
if she had really caught on, you can totally see 20,000 people yelling out that part back to her, you mm-hmm. know? So it was a great, great song, and it fits her character really well, too. Well done. So that's your pick? That's my pick. Paige. Paige. Awesome. Yeah, Paige wins for me. Paige and Kenny Omega for your theme of the decade. Okay. All right, James. What do you want to pick next, Josh? I'm going to go, since we're talking, we're kind of introducing everything, the best new thing in wrestling, which is Ooh. a kind of um, all-over-the-place category, so it could be something very specific. Uh, for example, I think the WWE Network being a new thing in the decade which mm-hmm. rules and or something more conceptual what do you got for that one so actually it's funny you mentioned that my pick was the wwe network awesome so yeah it's funny to go back now thinking about watching wrestling our whole lives the way that we did it Two, all of a sudden the concept of pay-per-view is gone um, you know, wishing that you could watch these old matches you've never seen before, that's gone. And instead, for nine ninety five a month, roughly the price of Netflix, you not only get the brand new, like monthly pay per views, you also get every old pay per view they've ever done, all the WCW pay per views, all the ECW pay per views. They add more to their library every month that Raw. they have available on the network. Yeah, every episode of Monday Night Raw <laughs> that they've ever Raw. made. <laughs> Louis loves Raw. Every episode of SmackDown they've ever made. The and then they make brand new documentaries for it. They have shows my sister when she watched our baby um a couple weeks ago when my daughter broke her arm she marathoned the legends house reality show that night when she was keeping an eye on the baby um hey heather i love you it's it's sort of like i think if i was like 13 years old and could have had like my dream wrestling thing it would have been that like wow if you could just watch any show that'd be crazy and not only can you do that now but there's like another 25 years of shows added on to what would have been available when I was 13. So WWE Network still, to this day, every month just blows my mind. Yeah, thinking, I mean, I don't know that we could do this podcast if it wasn't for the network. I right. mean, if we did, it'd be a lot harder and it'd be a lot more spaced out. Oh my gosh. And we'd have to be buying DVDs. <laughs> so Louis, let's funny. split that cookie, buddy. It's late. <laughs> I'll take the smaller half. So, good pick, James. The <coughs> ne- network is awesome. What did you pick? So, my pick is something more conceptual, which is competition. My favorite thing of this new thing of this decade for wrestling. Um, 2000, well, I guess two, the year 2000 to 2009 was pretty much zero competition, would you say, James? I mean, yeah, like I, I don't call. know what I would. The consider. closest thing they had was TNA, which yeah. started around 04, and that was even at its height. It was sort of a joke to call it competition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Louie. <laughs> I mean, it's called TNA. The name itself was a joke. Like such a bad move right from the start. So from day one, they were making bad decisions. It's very like of the time, like 2004. Like let's call it TNA, where. That's what sells, and then like a year later, everybody's like, "Can we not call it TNA?" I would argue it was like five years behind the time. Yeah. I think nineteen ninety nine would have worked in, better. In wrestling years, that that's the same, right? Five <laughs> years prior, um, it was the Attitude Era guy Vince Russo that came up with TNA. Of course, it was. Of course, it was, and we all really dislike Vince Russo writing sometimes. 
And uh, even within this decade, it was relatively later on that competition arose, right? Mm -hmm. At least to the level that we see it today. But we talked about this a little bit in the Omega Okada feud, but just the level of competition outside of the WWE (coughs) is great for variety's sake, but it's also great for WWE. So the level of content that the WWE is producing is better, I would say, in the last two or three years. Yeah, for sure. Because of competition. You know, obviously other factors. I think Triple H running NXT is a big part of it. But um, I don't know that Vince would let him have as much leeway if it wasn't for the need for variety and for competition within all the different... uh, Organize. What's the word I'm looking? All the different companies that we can watch, um, Ring of Honor, like we mentioned before, New Japan. Uh, if you're local, like PWG there, and everything else. You mentioned AEW. AEW um, now. Also on the WWE Network, 205 Live is its own little show. NXT, NXT UK. Right. Even in a, yeah, NXT. When did that premiere, James? <laughs> do you know what? When did it? NXT premiere. So it had been going on, I think, 2012, 2013, but it debuted on the network from day one. Like 2014, the first special they ever did on the network was NXT Arrival, which was sort of like the test run to see if WrestleMania 30 would work. Um, And yeah. So even then, before, obviously New Japan existed, but before it was at the level it was now, it was their own little built-in competition, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it made it seem like there was something else that we could care about it had and put options. our attention on, you know. Yeah, and again, did we mention the NWA? I think you mentioned them. No, I didn't. I mean, oh, okay. we did in our little intro. Yeah, if um, you like 80s NWA, watch 2019 NWA. It's essentially the same show, and it's great. It's so good. Billy Corgan. Billy Corgan running it, yeah. Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis. Jim Cornette is going to be gone, so the conflict of interest. (laughs) Who shall not be named. Right. Awesome. Okay. But, yeah, that's a great one, man. So, on the heels of that, James, I'm going to throw another one at you. Okay. So, you wrote down favorite dumb TNA moment. Okay. um, In parentheses, on or off screen. Yes. So, that is in relation to competition. What did you pick for that, James? All right. I feel I, like you came up with this category <laughs> just to get something on the show. <laughs> so I will say it it wasn't exactly that. So Ryan and I, um, for a couple of years there, like we work uh, down the block from each other, essentially, just like a few hundred feet away. And we would get lunch. And one of the things that was going on during this decade was the ongoing thing with essentially – let me step back. Hulk Hogan and Eric Bischoff debuted in TNA on January 4th, 2010. It's like first episode awesome. of the decade is exactly when all the good stuff started going downhill. Okay. And then w- it- Would you say Hogan and Bischoff ruined two different companies? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I want to give them both credit because they also kind of made one of those companies, right? They really helped WCW a lot with uh, once they kind of got their act together. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think I love Bischoff. I'm just being silly, right? No, yeah. And TNA still had its high moments. You can't say like it all was terrible because some of it was great, 
but so much of it was it was sort of like for every great thing they did they do two things that were so dumb it made you resent watching it yeah. you know what i mean like you felt like they were insulting your like having a hexagon loyalty. as a ring <laughs> the six-sided ring no not those persons louie Funny thing, the TNA fans loved that, and then Hulk Hogan came out and cut a promo like, we're going to go to four sides, and the crowd booed, <laughs> and Hogan's reaction was, no brothers, six sides got us this far, but we can't do that forever, dude, so we got to go to four sides, <laughs> and people would chant, we want six sides, like, no, that that's not the major leagues, dude, which is sort of like insulting, hey, if you've been watching this project right. this far, we're at the Silver Dome now, dumb. James. <laughs> But yeah, so I I had a lot of stuff in mind because of like mostly these conversations with Ryan, also with Tommy. Because you weren't as big of a TNA watcher, I haven't got to do a lot of these with you. Sure. Okay. So I have five things I listed, okay? Because there are so many. We can cover the rest like in the post thing if we want to. No, you're fine. So I'll just do my number one, okay? This is off screen. This is real life, okay? Here's what happened. Yeah. TNA was on Spike yeah. TV, and they had Vince Russo, who we've talked about, WWE Attitude Era writer, who essentially is great at giving everybody in the mid-card something to do. That's his strength. He's really bad about just like doing these dumb Jerry Springer-type things sometimes, right? And whatever he did was so stupid that essentially the Spike TV executives had said, we don't want him anywhere near writing the show. Mm -hmm. And when they were renegotiating, rumor was part of the deal was like Vince Russo has no part in the show or else we don't resign, you know. And TNA said, okay, you know, we'll, we'll find different writers to accentuate. And that's what they supposedly did. Vince Russo was secretly still being consulted. This is real life, not the show. Mm-hmm. Vince Russo was secretly still being like a creative consultant to TNA. This came out when Vince Russo sent a response email yeah. to Amazing. TNA management asking, you know, like kind of giving advice on what the creative should be for the next couple weeks and accidentally tagged a wrestling newsletter writer, like a major one, in this email and that writer published the story, and then Spike TV, not so coincidentally, said, "Yeah, we're not going to renew." And oh my God. <laughs> yeah, all that because they disliked his writing so much, they disliked his, I guess, personality so much, yeah. and they resented TNA not taking their advice. So they're like, "Yep, we're done. We don't want to mess with you anymore." Not, and they've never gotten a TV deal as good, not nearly as good as the one they had on Spike TV. Well, I can't believe anybody ever hires him still. like He apparently <laughs> is super charming, super convincing, God. super passionate, to the point where like Eric Bischoff has said, he'll make you believe he's right, and then it'll play out, and you'll think, what was I thinking? But it's just, like, the track record, like, how? Like... <sighs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. He did exactly, like, he had one good stint mm-hmm. and, like, three to five bad ones at this point. Yeah. And there's this crazy story about after WCW went down, Vince McMahon hired him back. He bought out the rest of his WCW contract, brought him on. A bunch of wrestlers were unhappy, but Vince said, like, no, he's going to be good. 
And so Vince Russo comes in, and apparently the first two things he does in like his new creative meeting is he says, all right, so what we're going to do, we're going to strip everybody of the titles and have tournaments. Like, well, why would we do that? Bro, listen, nobody's watching. This is like 2002 when they still had like a huge audience. Nobody's watching, bro. We're going to do tournaments. We're going to start over. This is going to reignite the interest in it. And then, so people are just sort of letting him, letting him explain this, looking around, and then he says, now, top guys, have Triple H and Jericho ever worked together? This was literally a month <laughs> yeah. after WrestleMania 18 when they were the main event of the show. And so apparently right from that meeting, it was sort of like everybody was like, what are you doing, Vince? This is a really bad idea to bring him back. And he got fired within like two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah, something like that. Awesome. Yes, so that's my favorite moment. Um, And depending on what you say here, I'll go over some others. Well, James. What do you have here? (laughs) So I somehow finagled Kenny Omega into this. (laughs) Because this was my thought process, right? So I've never watched TNA, like you said. I think I maybe watched. Yeah, I've watched a few matches that were like up there as far as like all timers. But I've never watched an episode of, is it Impact? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> really, <laughs> more the, the stories of, honestly, mostly it was just that I didn't have cable, but um, I don't know. I found it hard enough, like, finding time to watch WWE. I just felt like TNA was probably a waste of time. Mm-hmm. So. When the Nasty Boys showed up January 4th, 2010, this <laughs> didn't make you go, oh my gosh, the Nasty Boys. <laughs> it didn't watch. make me uh, become a fan but in in its place over the years i have like my my uh i guess runner up to wwe there before new japan was um ring of honor i was always interested in that Mm -hmm. so i like a lot of the punk era stuff all of the owen stuff and all that right Mm -hmm. um kenny omega had a run there and because i feel like giving it like credit i switched it from what, what did you have, most embarrassing or terrible or oh, something? Oh, gosh. Most TNA moment okay. is what I called it. <laughs> I did basically my favorite moment from Ring of Honor of the last okay. decade. Um, favorite dumb TNA moment is what Okay. So this is just basically a way for me to sneak in something Ring of Honor that I love, which was, if I if I was being real honest, it'd be the, the Summer of Punk uh, yeah. promo. Yeah. But after that, but that's like two thousands. Was yeah. yeah. So the that's right. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was doing this on purpose, James. Okay. The year where Bullet Club was like at its peak, right? Mm-hmm. And New Japan did a little bit of crossover here and there with Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. and this is basically when they um fired, if you will, Adam Page okay. or Adam Page. I'm sorry, Adam Cole. And the villain Marty Scurll showed up. I love this so much, James. So if if anybody, this is basically Adam Cole is signed with WWE. Everybody knows it. It's out there. Mm -hmm. He has a match with Tanahashi, which is showing that this is some sort of a crossover event. And he's leaving. And um, no, sorry, Tanahashi leaves. He's in the ring. You think they might do some sort of an MSG incident, mm-hmm. send-off kind of thing. Um, they start to look like they're going to, and then the lights go out, and there's a video of 
Kenny Omega talking, essentially starting out saying like basically like we love you, sorry I couldn't be there. Long story short, I'm probably going to play it here, but um, essentially says uh, every story has to have a hero and it has to have a villain. And at that point, when they say villain, everybody knows who he's talking about because there was an up and come up and coming wrestler for Ring of Honor named Marty Skrull, nicknamed the villain. The uh, the torch of you can... I'm saying that all wrong. Hold on. Essentially just giving him like a promotion almost. Yeah, like the you're, public invitation yeah, to the bullet club. Everybody like, pay attention to this guy because he's awesome. Well, you see, I feel like I have to send my special thanks too. Because, let's face it, your tenure in Bullet Club... Your tenure in professional wrestling has been long, has been fruitful, has been storied. But just like all fairy tales, Adam, there has to be a hero. And there has to be a villain. Adam Cole, consider yourself officially and he came, comes out and they attack Adam Cole and that's pretty much it but just the, the intro of Marty Skrull to the world is that was great so fun mm-hmm. and very like Bullet Club 2000 whatever that is 17 I think or something like that where it's like Bullet Club is just on fire everybody's wearing Bullet Club t-shirts yeah. they're just everywhere um, so much excitement around them and Marty Skrull just adds more fuel to the fire. Yeah. You, you kind of think like you're losing something with Adam Cole, because I love Adam Cole, as we'll see later probably, but he's leaving and they get somebody just as fun to replace him. Right, and one of the cool things about that introduction of Marty Skrull, kind of conversely to the NWO, and I loved the NWO, lived through that, Josh did too. We were fans of WCW at the time. Wolfpack. Right, but it wasn't just somebody showing up in a t-shirt. Like When they introduced Marty Skrull, they did it with style. Kenny Omega gave a great promo. Skrull was right there. He showed up. He has this umbrella he carries around, and I think he opened it up. He opens it up. The Bullet Club logo. That was sort of, it was just like a cool, well-done thing, you know? And like Josh said, because it was Adam Cole's last night, you're expecting a Mm send-off. And instead, they did this great angle to kind of move forward. It was great. So well done. Awesome. So yeah, that's uh, just showing that there's it's not all bad outside of <laughs> WWE. <laughs> all right, James, what is your next award you want to go over? Okay. So can I just just mentioning these real quick? Of course. All right. So other favorite dumb TNA yes. things because I, I really do love crapping <laughs> on TNA. Um, James Storm pushes Mickey James off a cliff into an oncoming train. <laughs> And she breaks her arm. Awesome. <laughs> um, Hulk Hogan gives Abyss his TNA. No, Hulk Hogan gives Abyss his WWE Hall of Fame ring. So Abyss is then transferred the powers of Hulkamania, like the Green Lantern. <laughs> um, Why it, wasn't I watching this, James? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> the promo, by the way, I want to plug one of my favorite, probably my favorite wrestling podcast easily, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk. Mm-hmm. Look up RBR Hogan Abyss on YouTube or RBR Wrestling Hogan Abyss. The way they talk about the angle, like they play the audio of 
Hogan giving Abyss the ring. And it's so ridiculous. And so one of the four hosts has never seen it. And I'm not going to ruin it. I just want you to look it up. But it's so beloved in that like fandom that people just crack up. And that's they're about to do their own decade show. I know that's going to be the favorite moment of the decade. Awesome. There. Yeah. It's so, and that was 2010. Yeah, that was really dumb. Um, in a public interview, Hogan said Abyss was... Brother, I think Abyss is six seven. I mean, that's the next John Cena. That's going to be the next major star of our industry. <laughs> that was really dumb. <laughs> and um, Abyss, by the way, wears like a mankind style mask. Is like three fifteen, uh, kind of greasy black hair. It was really weird logic there by Hogan. My other favorite thing, and this was sort of, I think, it was half accidental. But Taz was a former WWE commentator who left WWE because he didn't really want to commentate anymore. And he went to TNA to be a character. And, like, in a month, they made him a commentator again. (laughs) (laughs) And so he's commentating this submission match with, um, I think it's AJ Styles and Tommy Dreamer. And the way submission matches work is that the referee or no it was an i quit match so the referee will hold up a microphone to the wrestler and they'll have to say i quit into the microphone okay so the way the match worked was that the referee only held up the microphone one time and it was when the match ended for that person to say i quit but there were about 15 other times when the referee could have held up the microphone to ask them if they quit or they were in a submission and he should have done it Taz is on commentary. He's kind of fresh off the WWE, and he's just, like, losing his mind in (laughs) anger at how dumb the referee is. It's like, I'm begging the stupid referees this company hires. Grab the microphone. Ask him if he quits. You got one job in this style of match, and they can't even get a decent referee to do it. Like, he's yelling at the company while on commentary for the company. He's got nothing to lose. Right. So that cracked me up. But um, Josh, so I, Josh has his in his phone. I think I do too, but I actually printed mine up too. So since those two have been on the same page, I'm going to go with another one on the sure. same page. All right. Since the Royal Rumble is your match, favorite Royal Rumble. Awesome. So, James, my favorite Royal Rumble. Mm-hmm. Speaking of 2010. Yeah, it's 2010. That's a great one. The winner is Edge. Mm -hmm. Um, Surprise return by Edge. Yeah, I did mostly do this Rumble for the Rumble match itself. Okay, fair enough. I will say mostly, I mean 100%. Okay. (laughs) I think the next best match was like Undertaker and Rey Mysterio maybe on that. Um, And that was a great match. I love this this Rumble. We talked about it with the Sean and Taker match. feud but there's just so much in it there's the the cm punk dominating early on um he gets <laughs> thrown out by triple h which is awesome um the sean story the um it's nice that punk job to triple h even in 2010 right i think it's funny every now and then i mean um so yeah that was that was my favorite rumble like i said mostly for the rumble itself but that's what we're here to see right is the right. rumble match that's right what about you, James? Well, 2010 was my number two pick. Awesome. Okay, there were some really good ones this year and some really bad ones. Mm-hmm. It was feast or famine almost with the Rumbles. My pick, and I did more of an event, but you could maybe isolate one of these and make it my Rumble of the Decade too. 
2018. Oh, that was my runner-up, James. Yeah. So Shinsuke Nakamura, the one he won, was a great match. The Women's Rumble first ever that Asuka won was such a blast. Yeah, Josh is wearing a Nakamura hoodie right now. I've got my punk hoodie right beside me. The booking of the Rumbles in 2018 were really tight. The Women's Rumble especially had a ton of surprises. And both the men's and the women's Rumbles that year completely played with essentially a perfect formula. It was the person or people that the live crowd would most want to win Mm -hmm. down at the end with the person or people the live crowd would want the least to win. So, like, for the men's, it was Nakamura and Balor on one side and Cena and Reigns on the other. And for the women's, it was Asuka and the Bella Twins at the end. And both those finishes were just great. It got the fans so into it, and they gave them happy endings both times. Loved 18. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> I was going to make a Bella Twins happy ending joke, but I won't. Oh, my gosh. Um, you don't think the... appropriate. <laughs> you don't think the crowd was excited for a Bella Twins win there? You think they were rooting for Asuka? Um, yeah, absolutely. They kidding. were rooting for Asuka. <laughs> Awesome. All right, what do you want to do next, man? Let's see here. Yeah. Trying to find one that will not involve me talking about Kenny Omega. Oh, dude, we're on a roll. Why? Let's see here. You just had the rumble break. Let's you do go be- back. Best commentator, James. Okay. I think we're gonna have the same answer. Probably. Here. I you go do first. not have a runner up. You're gonna have where to say. No, I, I do I have do. a runner up. I went with Mauro Ronaldo. Okay. You um, said might be the best of all time. I do think he's the best of all time. I feel like the only thing stopping people from making that judgment is nostalgia. Okay. Um, you might be right. <laughs> so, And there's a little bit of that for me with him in that he used to commentate for Strike Force back in the day, which was a mixed martial arts competition for UFC. Okay. Um, and I loved him in that so much. <laughs> I was, I mean, that was my introduction, so I was like, what is going on? This guy is crazy and so much fun. Um, makes every single match or fight back in those days feel like it really matters. Like it's the only one that you'll ever see. Um, he just has so much energy, so much passion. Oh, God. Wow! Wow! And Ricochet lands on his feet! Mamma mia! Can you believe it, Nigel? No one can! They can boo what they want, but... Oh, oh my oh. God! Did you see Ricochet sailed over the top turnbuckle, wiping out Gargano! Slingshot, DDT, oh plants the champion, that is Gargano! It. No! Uh, so much goofy sayings that you just have to, like, laugh at, like... Mama Mia is his favorite uh, go to. I love yes. that the crowd chants Mama Mia sometimes. Yes. Makes me very happy. So um, if you know anything about him, real quick, his story is that he has uh, bi- suffers from bipolar. Um, and is that how bipolar do you say disorder? Yeah. Disorder. And it's just very open about it. Wears mm-hmm. purple a lot because that's like the mental health, like color to like, you know, the ribbons or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I remember when he. First talked about it on Ariel Hawani's podcast, which, holy crap, I have a podcast, and Ariel Hawani is, like, my old hero. (laughs) But anyway, um, (laughs) he just talked about how, essentially, like, no one ever talks about it, and, you know, having it out there makes it where people feel safe to talk about it and everything. Um, And so I just love that side of him. He, you know, it's just 
talks about it on Twitter, always like says like if you need anything, message me. Like he always is open to having fans just like reach out to him if they feel like they don't have anybody to reach out to. Yeah. Um I just love him. So Yeah. That's my that's my number one. Yeah, so that's a great pick. That's also my number one. Uh, the only thing I'll add to that is, again, a YouTube video. There's a YouTube video you oh, can find so good. of Mara Ronaldo commentating. Yeah. And the video is essentially just filming him through about maybe 10 different clips of him calling stuff. And he gets so into his commentary. And, like, again, he's like JR in that whole scream and cheer for things, you know? He'll stand up. He'll like mm-hmm. move. His, you know, he'll like throw his arms in the air, pump his fist. He gets so into it. It's so entertaining to watch him. Yep. Be joyful. And again, like you. In I just finished the first Omega Okada episode that we recorded tonight. Listening to it. Listening yep. to the final edit. And uh, Josh, what you did at the end of that episode cracked me up. <laughs> Told you that earlier. Loved it. Um. And I talked a lot about that first match kind of representing the joy of watching wrestling. Mara Ronaldo is another good representation of the joy of being a wrestling fan. He's so into it. It's so much fun to listen to him. It's great. Just some real quick love to Renee Young. Okay. Whereas I think like my favorite writers like Chuck Klosterman and Rob Sheffield could write about going to get the mail and make it sound more fascinating than anything I'd done in two months. Mm-hmm. I think Renee Young could talk about going to get the mail and it would sound more fun than anything I'd done in two months. Yeah. The thing that you need right now is this brand new pet groomer. It has these razors on the inside. So the thing is, is that your pet's fur will go inside. Skin will go nowhere near it. It also makes them not shed at all anymore. You can adjust the razors by this little uh, screw right here. Now, you got to be a little bit careful because it does stick out, so you have to measure it out properly. But it works on cats, dogs, fish, mice, raccoons, and horses. She's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. She, she but, just made everything sound like fun. So yeah. I know she gets a lot of hate. I liked her a lot. I thought she added a lot to the product. People that hate on Renee Young can go to hell, James. Yes, I agree. I um, agree. <laughs> my backup, my number two, if you would have gone first, would have been um, Kevin Kelly. Yeah, oh my gosh. So, and I do think, like, thinking about the this decade specific, I'm, I guess, quick to think, like, all-time people. Mm-hmm. You know, this. I feel like the only person that could come close tomorrow for me is Bobby Heenan. Yes. So great. that would be, I guess, what, 80s, 90s-ish. And then, like, JR, of course, covers the, well, the 2000s 90s. and stuff yeah. and everything. Yeah, and he did a lot of NWA stuff, too. But of this decade, I feel like it has to be more Ronaldo. Um I don't know who. Maybe Renee Young would come close. But I mean, Michael Cole has been at a lot of shows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking of people that are that, worse. that yeah. popular. Yeah. But yeah, Mar is the man. He really is. He's great. So, favorite non-wrestling thing of the decade. Sorry. No, you're good. Aw. Louis covering his face with his blanket right now. It's kind of adorable. <laughs> oh, okay. So, my favorite... The way that you defined this, James, was... Um, Obviously wrestling related, but something that's not in wrestling. So a podcast, network series, etc. Yes, yeah. So my pick is the Andre the Giant documentary. Oh, from HBO. I love it so much, James. Oh Um, my god. I can't remember if we've talked about it on the podcast or not, but I'll just go ahead and say it again. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think we have. I, I like, was never an Andre guy. I mean, I was just too 
uh, young for when all the stuff went down, I guess, WrestleMania 3 and everything. Um, so in my mind, he was always just like, nice guy, older wrestler back in the day. Like, I was never like a huge um, one for the big guys. <laughs> right. Um, but I watched that documentary and I was just blown away. Like, it's such a good documentary. I highly recommend it. Like you said, it's on HBO. I think it's elsewhere now, maybe. It's also on the network now. Okay. Oh, is it really? So it's on the network. Um, David Shoemaker, another podcaster that I love, my favorite wrestling podcast, Mm -hmm. uh, The Masked Man Show, is in it. And he's awesome as just essentially like a wrestling historian. historian, yeah. Um, (laughs) I cried in it, James. Yeah, it's so Um, good. The part where, I mean, this isn't a spoiler for anybody listening, but when... Um, Hogan body slams him. That story was just like, oh my god, I love it. Yeah. So, so it's just like shows how like selfless and great of a person Andre the Giant was. So, yes, super cool. That's what I love about documentaries. Some you know something that I have zero interest in. Mm-hmm. I watch a documentary. I'm like, that was awesome. So glad that I know more about him now. What about you, James? That is a great choice, man. And shout out to my friend Adam. Hey, Adam. I would not have. I don't know if I still would have gotten around to watching it if it wasn't for him. Because I've been meaning to watch it for two years. And finally, he's like, all right, dude, this is awesome. Do you want to watch it together? And I'm like, yeah, let's hang out. Let's, yeah. I'd love to watch that. So he came over and we watched it on the network. He had already seen it. And he just was down. He was just down to watch it again because he's such a cool guy. And, man, we had a blast. Joseph, if you're it. listening, you still need to watch it. Uh, yeah, Joseph, watch this. You'll love it. Hey, Joseph, we heart you. Although I did spoil it, but whatever. Okay. Um, all right, so my thing, uh, RBR Weekly Wrestling Talk, I wanted to mention that. It's yes. a podcast. It's amazing. They Again, we cover like feuds. They do like the week-to-week events, and they're really funny. They're so good at it. But the other thing I really wanted to talk about is talking smack on the WWE Network. It was canceled. R.I.P. R.I.P. But it was the show that came on after Talking Smackdown. Renee Young hosted it, and Daniel Bryan was the co-host of it. And they would just have whatever wrestlers wanted to stop by and chat for a little bit after the show. And it was a kayfabe podcast, mostly. Like, they would never talk about real life unless a wrestler just wanted to incorporate that into their character. Mm Mm-hmm. But it was so entertaining. Guys got to be a lot more off the cuff, which made them better. You know, it made you appreciate how canned the show feels sometimes, yep. and how fun it can be when people are just kind of letting loose. The Miz Daniel Bryan feud, legendary. I'm glad that I um, was able to bring it up here because I didn't get to put it anywhere else, and I was thinking about it. Um, we'll put a clip here with that. That what happened on Talking Smack? Yeah, that that feud was like. Not 100%, but 100% started from, I don't know, I'm bad at talking. It was a lot to do with Talking Smack. Um, I remember, like, like, I was watching Talking Smack on purpose, like, after it started to see if there'd be more Brian Miz stuff. Yeah. um, And not so much (laughs) Raw or SmackDown. (laughs) My favorite, um, and again, that... Uh, that Brian Miz segment was so awesome. You know, it was like it seemed completely out of the blue. Although they'd always had tension, but it right. was great. The <laughs> kind of candor that was in it. Uh, great pick, James. Yeah. So yeah, I used to love talking smack. I miss it still. 
All right, Josh, what do you want to do? So I was thinking from a high to low kind of thing. So most disappointing thing. I'm kind of wondering Ooh. if we're going to have the same one, James. Okay, most disappointing thing. I um, don't know that I have a backup. <laughs> let me... Felt like this was clear cut. <laughs> I'm trying to find... So, Wh- where is that question? Well, it's towards the oh, end. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah. All right. <sighs> Man, so uh, I had four things in okay. mind here, but w- how many did you write down? One. You do yours first, so I don't talk it's over It's just it. two words, James. Okay. Saudi Arabia. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. Saudi Arabia. Okay. It's pretty disappointing. Anybody just Google John Oliver, Saudi Arabia, and you'll get this <laughs> story. So there were a lot of disappointing things yeah. this decade, right? There was um, different people passing away, like the Austin okay. Warrior. Yep. Um, a Matt Hoff, our friend Matt, he's a big Warrior fan, was back in the day at least. Um, Daniel Bryan not being in the Rumble and then being in and getting thrown out in 10 minutes. That's that's my <laughs> another one of my nice. answers. Nice, okay, sorry. There Good were fine. the... Hulk Hogan scandals. Right. But my number one pick, um, I mentioned how I sort of unconditionally love WrestleMania. And Reigns, you know, we all kind of appreciate him now due to some real-life things of him overcoming cancer. But before that happened... When we were still allowed to not like him. Yeah, when <laughs> we when the fan base sort of felt like he was being pushed down their throats and didn't have much character, he closed out WrestleMania three years in a row and he won three years in a row and the fans booed three years in a row so my number one because i love wrestlemania so much was wrestlemania ending with booing three years in a row there are times of charm james yeah i mean it's it should be what i think it was this year just like a celebration right. of wrestling and before it was just like we're really trying to push this narrative and we're going to ignore the crowd and just go with it. I didn't mind it when it happened with Cena. I actually like Cena, but yeah, even and, and every like once Reigns in a while, okay, but doing it like that. But just three years, man. And if the matches were better, it'd be. And that's the difference. Cena had great matches. Right. Reigns wasn't really set up to have great matches. You know, the Taker match. You know, that's only going to be so good. Triple H. You know, that's only going to be so good. And then Brock Lesnar. Any match with him is iffy you know if it's gonna be good or great that one wasn't the best nope so yeah that was disappointing to me three years of wrestlemania ending with booze Mm -hmm. and it's not just like booze like oh bad guy won it was was the good guy it was booze like we resent this product and that was disappointing to me That is very disappointing. All right, Josh, want to do best comeback right after that? Sure. Okay. So my best comeback is Daniel Bryan. All right. Um, 
I don't know. There was, I guess, a handful of comebacks over the decade that probably, maybe some of them worked better. The comeback themselves, uh, the months or a year after where it led to and everything. But the comeback itself for Daniel Bryan, I felt like, was just so, like, um, a feel-good story. Yes. Well, feel-good. <laughs> Everybody loves Daniel Bryan, right? So yes. that's the feel-good part, not the watching the, his matches through your like through your fingers like kind of thing. Like, <laughs> that is not a feel-good thing. Please so don't do the fine headbutt. Essentially, ever. for those that don't know, he had to retire... Um, what was it? Two years prior, three, two or three, yeah, due to a neck injury. Due to a neck injury, and it, um, outside concussion. of concussion, yeah. due to a, like massive okay. concussion, yeah. And outside of kayfabe, looked a hundred percent like he was never going to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would have never believed it. Um, and then there was a little bit of rumblings, if you will. Was it before? I should have looked it, was it up, on James. Talking I knew Smack. you, you like would know. Years, he'd kept saying he was going to come back. He it's was like, like meeting with different doctors, right? See if he could get cleared, or essentially what he had to do to get cleared. You knew. I mean, even <laughs> Total Bellas or whatever that was, Total Divas <laughs> or whatever. He would talk. They would show some of it on there about him just being so obsessed with coming back and feeling like his career wasn't complete and everything um and then him finally actually being able to come back it was just so cool to see and when i got angry about not being able to be in this ring i wasn't just grateful i decided to fight and there was a time when i wanted to quit and instead of walking out she got in my ear and she said you don't walk out she said you fight because you need to fight for your dreams Fight for your dreams. Fight for your dreams. And if you fight for your dreams, your dreams will fight for you. Because every hard thing seems impossible until it becomes real. And over the last two months, I've asked WWE to relook at my case. And they sent me to the best neurologists all over the country. And all of these neurologists, every specialist, every doctor I've seen has said the same thing, and it is this. You are cleared. And I don't know if you remember this aspect. Him coming back, it almost seemed like the WWE was trying to save him by letting him come back. You remember that aspect? Yes. Because like for like a year and a half on Talking Smack, again, like him and the Miz shooting back and forth. The Miz would say like, "You say you love wrestling. Why aren't you in there wrestling now?" Right. And Brian would say like, "Wait six months," or like, "Wait nine months." Like however long was left in his WWE contract. Right. And he'd give these real life interviews where he said like, "Well, I'm never going to wrestle for WWE again. I'm sure, but I do plan on being in the ring again." And right. so. Given what happened, as... We've all seen The Wrestler. Right, yeah. You don't want to see somebody get hurt in the ring, right? Especially not permanently. And so Daniel Bryan went to Vince, and again, like, I don't know how many times, but eventually he just said, like, listen, I am 
like you said, I think he said, I'm going to come back. I'd like to do it for this company. What do I need to do to prove it? And Vince apparently, like, word is, like, he really loves Daniel Bryan, at least according to, like, outside sources. Mm-hmm. Like, he kind of has a soft spot for him. So I think Vince figured, like, I have the best guys in the world. If he's going to do it anyway, at least I can protect him. Right. So he said, like, he gave, according to Daniel Bryan, he said he gave him a list of, like, however many doctors said, like, if these guys will all clear you, I'll allow you to come back. Right. So he went to, like, he flew around America, essentially, seeing these, like, six or seven different doctors, I think it was. And they all said, like, yeah, your brain chemistry is actually really, really good. So he got cleared. They allowed him to come back. Man, do you remember that first couple of matches? It was just so, like, yeah. Like, I'm terrified to watch this, but. It was like, do you remember that at HBK Triple H? comeback match yeah, for HBK. Yeah. I love just like every time Triple H would do a backbreaker I yeah. remember like gritting my teeth because Sean went out with a back injury for four years. He did that yeah for another couple of years. So yeah that's my, my best comeback. What about you James? Okay so I mentioned in a previous episode I'm an NWA fan mm-hmm. and I know Triple H was too and when word got out that he was handling NXT I kind of got to thinking like <gasps> maybe one day and then a couple years, you know, NXT really didn't do gimmick matches. They'd do a ladder match maybe once a year, you know, something like that. Right. Finally, they did a cage match at some point, I think. And then finally, at long last, you see on the books, wait, this arena they're selling NXT tickets for is configured with two rings in it. The arena setup is, has room enough for two rings. Does that mean? And indeed it did. It meant War Games was coming back. There's been three War Games takeovers now. Um, I've liked all the War Games Amazing. matches they've done so yep. far. So my comeback of the decade, you know, The Rock had a great comeback. Other people did too, Brock Lesnar. But far and away, I'm going War Games, man. I was awesome. more excited. I was so excited for that to come back. That was another never thought it would happen again. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, Brock Lesnar, like, yeah, duh. He's always going to come back. But Right. Um, yeah, those matches are amazing. Anybody listen that hasn't seen them, go watch them. They're always, not always, but the They're first one long. was um, before WrestleMania, right? Uh, first, was that the first? They've the, all been in November. Sorry, they've all been in November. Like, they've all been right around Survivor was. Series. Okay. Yeah, they're great. All right, Josh, what do you want to do next? Let's see man? here. You want to do Feud of the Year, speaking of NXT? Oh, you don't want to save that to <laughs> the end? I mean, we can't. Oh, duh. That's our show, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> yeah, we can save that one. Um, right. How about Match of, of the Decade? The decade. All right, yeah, let's do it. You'll a never one. believe what I picked. Really? Is it Kenny Omega? Kenny yeah. Omega. It is. <laughs> All right, but here's the question. Which one? So I went with four. Okay, so the two out of three falls match that went like an hour and Yeah, I guess I should say minutes, Omega versus Okada, four. Yeah. But yeah, uh, honestly, the way that we're... Recording these, I might not talk about it too much because we will definitely get into it in the latter half of our Omega Okada series. But essentially, the reason for that is, you know, like we talked about it in in the show. Like the first one was like, "Holy crap, that's my new favorite match of all time," and it essentially just progressively got better each match, unknowingly, like how they could possibly do it. Four, I thought. There's no way. Like, this is just ridiculous. Like, there's there's just no way they can be better again. And they were, in my opinion. So... <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Omega Okada 4, that's my 
The ma- favorite pick. match of the decade. Dave Meltzer's pick, for sure. <laughs> Probably. Oh, my gosh. Did you have a... Uh, how many did you list? I list 10. All right. Can we do our top 10s? We can. I will say that this was very hard for me, so it could be... I could substitute Keys half of these. Mood. Yes. Fair enough. I'm going to take a drink of wine before we do this. Movie. Okay. Why don't you do your favorite match, and then we'll do the okay. the nine honorable mentions. So your favorite match was Omega Okada 4. Yep. My match of the decade, after rewatching four matches, after much debate... Was Omega Okada one? Awesome, yeah. I've, and we already talked about it, so I have nothing new to say. But what a great match! And I love that that feud is so good. Each of our favorite matches was a match of the decade. So I usually will rank my top tens. These I did not because I felt like it was too hard. Oh, really? Okay, um, I did. I mean, I probably could because I'm I not just... a punk, Josh. I didn't punk out. <sighs> God, I never punk out on this. Um, you're a list gonna, maker just, how could you not it's just too hard james Josh, okay why well, if was... i may i might give you some honesty right now as a southern man <laughs> not doing That's this list you sound like a right whore <laughs> and josh you sound like the worst kind of whore a yankee whore okay if i can rank them in order all right all right do you want to do back and forth like 10, 10, sure, 9, 9? Sure. All right, so what's your number 10? So 10 would be my least favorite, right? At least of your most favorite, yeah. <laughs> okay, so that is actually the 2010 Royal Rumble match. Okay, great choice. Mine was Bailey Sasha Iron Woman match from TakeOver Respect. Awesome. Uh, my next one would be um, Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate, which was, the I believe, Ooh, the... Yeah. NXT TakeOver Chicago. Yes. Mm-hmm. That, that was a contender for me. I did uh, Daniel Bryan versus John Cena from SummerSlam 2013 as number nine. Awesome. Um, Kenny Omega versus Tetsuya Naito, the G1 Finals from 2017. 2018. 2018. Yes. Yep, yep, you're right. Wait, no, no. No, No, you're you're right. right. No, you're right. 2017. Because 2018 was your Omega won the belt. And your Omega won the belt was your Naito fought at Wrestle Kingdom. Yep. So you were right. Okay. 2017. Yep. Okay, sorry. You're fine. Number eight. Just this year, just two months ago, Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks, in the cell is was that, my number eight. Did you change the most overrated match of the decade? Oh. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, is it overrated? I haven't seen it get a lot of love in very no, many I'm places. No, I'm just being okay. sure. I know you love that match. Um, what number are we on? Seven? We're on seven, yeah. So I would do Hiroshi Takahashi. No, Hiromu Takahashi versus <laughs> Dragon Lee, which was the best of the Super Juniors finals. Yeah. This is the match where he breaks his neck. But and the that's match like a 40-minute match, right? Yep. Okay. I love it. Great match. All right. My number seven uh, first appearance by Kenny Omega is the Young Bucks against the Golden oh, Lovers. so good, James. Yeah. Okay. Uh, my next one is... Cena versus CM Punk Money in the Bank. My next one is also Cena versus CM Punk Money awesome. in the Bank. <laughs> so that was let me see here. That was six. So bump everything up. I missed one that would have been like number nine. Sorry. Okay. Is depending on which awards we still go over. Yeah. Was the main event of SummerSlam the four way with Roman Reigns? Oh yeah. Braun Strowman. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe and Brock Lesnar. I always call that the Monster Mash for yeah. a way. 
Yeah, that was a great match. My number five, I'm doing back-to-back Cena Punk, is CM Punk versus John Cena from February 2013, Monday Night Raw. Awesome. Love that match. So number four, right? Yep. Now, 4-3-2. 4-3-2. is the... <laughs> That's how we count backwards. Is, well, it's weird because I'm going 1-2-3, so this okay. would be the one... Can you make a... Okada one. Okay. It's my number four. Nice. All right. <laughs> my number four is Sami Zayn versus Shinsuke Nakamura from NXT TakeOver awesome. Dallas. So then my next one is Omega Okada 2. <laughs> nice. But uh, you know what? I Yeah. <laughs> I I think I kind of arbitrarily only put one Omega Okada match in there. It's cool. Just because I thought, like, I can't. I don't know if I can pick. Between, yeah. Yeah. So number three, uh, DIY Revival 2 from TakeOver Toronto. Yeah. The two out of three falls. Um, then my next one would be Omega Okada 3. All right. My but, next. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, I will say. Like I said, that I can substitute Ooh, anything three. in here. Yeah. So Take away like that SummerSlam. Okay. Um, any anything Johnny Gargano I felt like was impossible for me to decide. So he didn't make my top one ten basically because it'd be top ten Johnny Gargano, Gargano matches. matches. We could have done that. So yeah, uh, I lo- my favorite though is Almas him versus Almas. I think the first one, though. I think you like the second one more. But go ahead. You like the one from uh, Brooklyn, right? Yeah. And I really love the one from Philadelphia. Yeah, and I, that one's awesome, too. But Yeah, and that's my number two of the decade awesome. is Gargano Almas from Philadelphia for oh, the title. He's the best. He, he's so great. Just like Omega. Yep. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That's our uh, top ten, and we each have Omega Okada, though different matches at number one. Um, Yeah, favorite match. What a decade for matches. So many, so many five star matches. I think if you take like the top maybe fifty matches of the decade and put this decade against any other decade, I think this decade would win in like yeah. a landslide. Yeah, I think you could do the top fifty from the last three years, and it would beat any other entire decade. It's just been such <laughs> a good time to be a wrestling fan lately. But we've peaked, and we're but- back on our way down. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, right, so that was a big category yeah. we did. I'm going to do a minor one. Sure. Favorite merch item of I was the decade. That one next. Yeah. Well, since I didn't talk about them in my top ten, my favorite item is the Johnny Gargano shirt that says Johnny Takeover on it. So oh, nice. okay. I don't have it, don't but have it yet. Okay. the thing with that is that he has his moniker for a while was Johnny Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And then um, he main evented so many takeovers and basically became the face of the company so much that it was just kind of a spin on it where it said Johnny Takeover. And instead he steals of Johnny. the show at all these takeovers. And it's like black and yellow instead of red and black, which is the colors of NXT and stuff. I just yeah. love it because it's such a like, you know, let's hand him the, you know, the trophy as like the man. Yeah, he's sort of the face of the, NXT. In a the lot five of foot ways. 11 man, you know. <laughs> I think uh, Sami Zayn had that uh, ball for a while. Finn mm-hmm. Balor and Bailey, I think, had it at different yep. times. And right now, yeah, I think Johnny Gargano is sort yep. of the heart and soul of NXT. All right. So um, mine is CM Punk's 2011 Chicago flag shirt that he debuted awesome. at Money in the Bank 2011. Yep. But way more fun to talk about is one from WrestlingTees.com. Okay? okay. So it's an Andy Kaufman shirt. And he's doing the John Cena like salute pose in it, and it's like a circle, like the uh, I think 2012 Cena shirt, right? The green one, 
And instead of saying rise above hate, it says rise above Memphis, referencing the legendary Lawler Kaufman feud in Memphis. So love you, that shirt. You said wrestling tees. You mean pro wrestling tees? Pro wrestling tees. I've never seen that one. Yeah, Andy Kaufman has his own page. That's awesome. It's got the women's champion. Do you have anything to do with like page. Letterman on that? Any? Not anything with buy Letterman, that. but yeah, that'd be awesome. Awesome. All right, James. Let's go with back to back. Female wrestler of the decade and then male wrestler of the decade. All right, good. You want to start? Sure. So my female wrestler of the decade, I feel like this is very hard. Yes, I did too. I went with I'm gonna just tenure too. Yeah. Of, over peak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right way to go about it or not, but I went with Charlotte Flair. I also <laughs> went with Charlotte Flair. Did you really, Flair. James? I did. I was thinking for sure you'd pick Becky Lynch. Well, Josh just heard me say that Charlotte is my least favorite horsewoman <laughs> yeah, before. that's why. I did not think you'd pick her. <laughs> so why did you pick Charlotte? Well, like I said, the tenure, I mean, like, her getting the title so many times. I know a lot of people hate that. Mm-hmm. And I I'm feel like I hated that with, like, Brock or somebody. Yeah. But with her, I felt like it was just really establishing, like, she is the, you know... The pinnacle of women's wrestling um, in this decade. Yep. Her matches are, I want to say never bad. <laughs> Rarely bad. Right. Um, That's really st- true. Stuff she does that I, I still am just like, <laughs> did she just do that? Like, you know, moonsault off the top rope to the outside. Or, right. Um, something through a table. She seems pretty fearless um, for, not for a woman, but for a wrestler. You know, a lot yeah. of people are... You know, not wanting to smash through tables off turnbuckles and everything. Um, she's almost got that Shane like level of fearlessness, not like stupidity that he has, but the I'll do anything for the crowd kind of thing. Yeah. And yeah. Um, she's amazing on the mic, I think. I know, like, really? I know a lot of people don't think that. I feel like this is, it might just be me. Um, well, like, you have, like, you really like her, your wife really likes her, so that's sort of a cool thing. Yeah, you know? I, I just think, like, her, she's really annoying, right? Like, her on the mic is like, oh, God, like, shut up. <laughs> but that's what's great about that her. That works I, for a heel. I feel like it's, like, intentional. It's the kind of thing where, like, you never really know, so okay. you just kind of pick one side. Um, you know, like, and I'm just kind of giving her the pass. It's like, this is all very methodical and that she's being annoying to be annoying and <laughs> it all works super great her family history gives her a ton of Nate. like points Woo! you know as far as just like having that pedigree and yep. everything Rick and Flair's daughter you know she's it's just great she's just like almost like the triple h of women's wrestling like oh god you're just gonna win again aren't you and you are and it's gonna be awesome and you're gonna love the match <laughs> so yeah, she. Um, those are all great reasons. Um, I picked her because I thought she was sort of the trailblazer over and over again. Yeah. So in NXT, there were women's champions before her. Paige kind of had the ball for a while. There were others, you know. Uh, actually, I think Paige was the first. And Charlotte Flair was the first one I thought that really got the ball in NXT. Like, okay, we're just going to give you attention you take this as far as you can right okay they sort of handed her the ball just said run and she had a great great match with bailey a great great match uh, with basically everybody in the division um there was that great four-way where sasha banks won the belt between the horsewomen that she was the defending champion in 
Her and Sasha had a good one-on-one -on -one match. But I definitely felt, definitely felt Charlotte was the first woman in NXT to kind of be given the ball. When they brought up Sasha, Becky, and Charlotte to the main roster, Charlotte once again was given the ball. She was the first of those three to be made champion. She won the big match at WrestleMania. They had her keep the belt till way into the summer when Sasha finally beat her. And then they gave it back to her. Charlotte was the first one to do a Raw main event in a long time. She did it with Sasha, that no holds barred match, false count anywhere. Yeah, right? I was just going to say that um, might make my top ten of the day. I was going to say, I, <laughs> I know you love that match. Yeah, there's too many. That's why I was yeah, struggling. It, it was so hard. She did the first Hell in a Cell with Sasha Banks. Um, she broke Asuka's streak, and I disagree with that love choice. It. I'm a huge Asuka fan. I mean, that's like, but it was a you love the Brock beating Taker streak. I mean, that's what I it, did love that. That's just like a big middle finger <laughs> to the fans. I thought Charlotte Asuka was a match of the night. I'll say that. And then Charlotte went on. Um, she main evented the first WrestleMania to be main evented by women, mm -hmm. along with Becky and Ronda Rousey. And then she had a great match with Trish Stratus on SummerSlam just this year. And Women's Evolution pay-per-view, her and Becky Lynch had one of the best matches of the decade in their no-holds-barred match. So, or no, Last Woman Standing, right? It was Last Woman Standing. Yeah. So, I could go, I'm sure there's things I'm forgetting too, but Charlotte seemed to be always the one that they trusted the most yep. when it came to establishing something. And I thought... Basically, she was never given the ball and, like, missed. You know, if they gave right. her the ball, she'd yep. she'd get a slam dunk. So, wh even though she's not my favorite, even though I think sometimes her matches aren't as good as some of the other matches, you can't deny she's great. Well, and, and like, the, great, I mean, really great. And essentially, like, the idea of this, like, award is, like, who dominated the most or who I mean it's it's not necessarily who like you said who had the best matches um or but whatever it's it just if somebody said Charlotte had the best matches I would not speak up because I yeah. totally get that well and, and a lot of them were with Becky too which I'm assuming is your number two well yeah maybe. Becky was Becky was yeah. my number two all of the Becky Lynch fans have already turned off the but, podcast right but then um, Sasha had a ton of great Sasha matches. Sasha was Charlotte. amazing there for a few years. I don't know what happened to her. <laughs> Your girl, Be Bailey. Uh, the <sighs> love Bailey. Yeah. What was that one? Charlotte that, had good matches with Bailey. Was the what was the one that she the amazing one she had in NXT? Was it the Brooklyn? Uh, the one Sasha or sorry, the one uh, Bailey and Charlotte had that was actually on NXT TV. Okay, it was Bailey and Sasha That's with right. the one in Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah. Um, Another match of the decade candidate. But yeah, man, you, you can't deny Charlotte. Yep. I get Becky. There's a strong argument to be made for her. That's another great choice. All um, right. Yeah. So male wrestler, James. All right. So this was really hard for me, okay? I thought essentially there were two choices that I thought made the most sense, okay? Can I guess the one that's not Kenny Omega? You sure. Or, and he's not one of the two. Oh, James. <laughs> All right, well, I have three wrestlers written down. All right. So I'm guessing it's the other two that aren't Kenny Omega. I wrote down five, and okay. I really think... And I'm not even going to mention the other three. Like, no. Okay, so my my pick, of course, is Kenny Omega, right? Okay. Can't help it. 
But my number two and three were CM Punk and AJ Styles. All right, let's see. Oh, CM Punk, really? I mean, hold we on, had James. 10, 11, 12, 13, so we had like four years. Yeah, but all of the like holy crap crowd going insane stuff was from those four years, right? Yeah, yeah. In the WWE, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, so you had the pipe bomb, you had the Cena match, um, Money in the Bank, all of that stuff. Even the like drama leading up to him leaving was fun Mm -hmm. um i felt like fans were more into punk in those four years than they've been interested in anybody the four years after that yeah um i'd say up until maybe aj styles yeah okay i mean okay in the the wwe i guess yeah outside of that it's kenny but i think that's a great choice they both are and, and aj styles if you want to make the argument for him it's not a WWE podcast, right? Yes. So he had a huge uh, run in New Japan before he became came into the WWE. Yeah, um, leader of the Bullet Club, mm-hmm. all that fun stuff. Yep. I mean, great matches. You cannot like nobody can argue his in ring abilities. No, um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my top three. Okay, but Kenny gets the number one spot for Omega. Me. Punk and AJ are your top three. Yeah, I don't, actually I saw Tommy tonight for his birthday. Um, yeah, saw his family. Here's that. His he picked Chris kids. Jericho. Uh, no, he <laughs> he picked AJ Styles. Awesome. Yeah, Chris Jericho would have been a good pick too for wrestler of the decade. For me, okay. There was there were two guys that really I kind of thought about. Okay, decade 2010 to 2019. Yeah, that was. That, that was that the hard tough. part. Yeah, there haven't been a yeah. lot of guys, hardly any that have been around the whole so decade. So you picked Undertaker? No. <laughs> no. And I didn't pick Randy Orton, who's also been around oh, the whole God. decade. But um, there was one guy in particular, I thought, who carried a promotion essentially on his back, especially while they were in a desert period, walked them out of the desert period, whole promotion on his back, essentially. He was by far the most interesting thing about it, most beloved thing about it. Brought up a new star, transitioned that new star to be the top guy in the company, and then took maybe the number three guy and made him into, at the time, the number two guy in the company until Kenny Omega came along and really like stole the ball because he was so good. But he made Naito. James. He made my number two pick for the decade, Okada. And Okada came along in 2012, I believe it was. Yeah. But those two years before that were all about Hiroshi Tanahashi. I love you, James. I love you, too. And this <laughs> whole decade, I feel like when he's been the top guy, he's nailed it. When he hasn't been the top guy, he still nailed it. And as good as his championship run was and as dramatic as those title defenses were and people just wanting to see him win were, mm-hmm. his comeback, like the re-rise of um, Hiroshi Tanahashi in 2018 was – if we had like a best story of the decade category, that might – that would probably be my best story. That or like punk leaving. Yeah. But that one obviously was a lot less bitter, a lot more hopeful. It was so well done, and it ended with a one of the best matches I've ever seen. And I forgot to include this, but right. Tanahashi Omega. I think that's because of how good he is. I mean, his matches are just always so good that you don't even think to yeah. put it on. And then when he lost the belt this year, to Jay, he made Jay White put him over as yep. champion. Then he went on and had another great G1. So, again... And he's I, 50. Like, he's, yeah. <laughs> 
I think there is a super strong argument to be made for Kazuchika Okada, and I yeah. really debated him as my yeah. top guy too, but just edging him out through those first two years, really carrying New Japan on the back when nobody else could step up to the level he did. Tanahashi deserves tons of accolades, so he's my wrestler of awesome. the decade. Way to go, James. Thanks, man. So I feel like you put a lot of thought and effort into <laughs> your explanation, whereas mine was just I like Kenny Omega because... because yours was more personal. But Tell me why Omega. Well, we so didn't Omega, talk I was to say, for the reason to basically be... Uh, this sounds very, like, capitalist of me, which is not me, but... He got into hot But eye- eyeballs, <laughs> right? I mean, like... People that did not care about wrestling anymore, mm-hmm. um, people that hadn't cared in a long time, people that never cared about wrestling, all, I feel like, know who Kenny Omega is now. We we went to um, my friend Tim Daniel, who helped us start the podcast, hey, his Tim. house with Complete Strangers. Tim's a good dude. And, I don't know him well, but he's a great guy. I always <laughs> like seeing him. And watched a um, pay-per-view of a... We paid... Well, he paid, but... Paid yeah. actual dollars, not the network, which cost dollars, but you know right. what I'm saying. For, um, for a show, for a promotion that didn't exist in 2010, didn't exist last year, Yeah, I would argue all because of Kenny Omega, right? I think I don't um, think the fans would have came if it wasn't for Omega. I mean, obviously the Bucks, obviously Jericho, all that helped. Cody, yeah. But I just don't think that we would have even got there. If it wasn't for Kenny Omega, like Kenny the, Omega made everybody care about wrestling outside of WWE. I agree. He deserves 90% of the credit, I think, for American wrestling fans caring about New Japan. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then when you add in his promos and matches themselves. Yes. I just, like I said, I know and, it was the latter half. By the way, I know Jericho deserves a lot of credit, too, but he came along <laughs> after Omega. No comment. <laughs> but sorry. No, you're fine. Um, all right. What, all right. what do you want to do next? I'm thinking we do. All right. Let's let's end with the feud of the decade, since that is our okay. bread and butter. And we can uh, we got more. You want to do those at a different time? That's fine. Next, yeah, we do. I, we do a I, series for this one. I have a um, top five. I don't know if you had a top ten. I did a top ten. I felt like top ten was too hard. Even top five was harder. Do you want to do countdown? Uh, sure. Let's just start. You want me to just go ten through six? Yeah, you just you fire those off, and I'll right. chime in if I love any of those. Okay. Ten, I just thought was fun. AJ Lee versus Paige. Okay. Nine, John Cena versus Brock Lesnar. Okay. Had a couple of rounds of that. Eight. Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. And okay. admittedly, the last uh, month, month and a half, didn't really stick the landing. But the, I'd say, eight months going into that last four weeks were really fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, number seven, loved CM Punk versus The Undertaker. Okay. Number six, a few that I thought was done absolutely perfectly. Almost a flawless feud, and it's not ranked higher because it just didn't have a lot of meat on the bones. It was spread out over like maybe six months, five months, but there were only about that many segments between them, you know, not counting promos. But Goldberg versus Brock Lesnar, I thought, was just flawlessly executed. And Josh is shaking his head and laughing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe one day we'll do that. We can really get. We can. Argument. Yeah. Oh yeah. All right. That'll be a 30 minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Number five. My number five is Charlotte versus Sasha Banks. 
Oh, okay. Nice. Love that feud. Yeah. As we mentioned, every match, awesome. And I felt like it spanned... This has been two years. I felt like it's been a long time, off and on. It um it went in NXT and then it revived yeah. in on the main roster. I felt like it was just like they're the two best at the time before Becky really found her stride. Um, yeah. So it just made sense, and they were both amazing in it. They really were. They really were. That was a great choice. Great choice. All right, my number five. I'm gonna actually do a reverse here, looking at it now. I'm going to do John Cena versus CM Punk. Okay. Which was, again, so exciting to see the pipe bomb and the matches were so... Again, I had two of those matches in my top ten for the decade. One that just missed was their Night of Champions match Mm -hmm. from 2012. was a great match. Watch it on the network if you have the network, if you haven't seen it. Um, But, yeah, that's my number five. Awesome. Uh, My number four is uh, Sami Zayn versus Kevin Owens. Slash El Generico versus Kevin Steen. Nice. Um, both yes. of them amazing. And, yeah. I mean, both feuds amazing. And I love how it spanned two different promotions. Really yes. three, if you think about it. So, yeah. All right. My number four, we're talking about it right now, Omega versus Okada. Mm-hmm. Great feud. Great rivalry. The matches are, if it was just based on matches, that'd be number one. Right. Yeah. Well, that segues into my number three, because as much as I love him, that is my number three. Okay. Uh, not my number one or two based on outside of the ring stuff. So still up there, still amazing, but mm-hmm. number three slot for me. Excellent. Okay. My number three, uh, just mentioned Hiroshi Tanahashi, his feud, years-long feud with Kazuchika Okada to kind of transition, handing him the ball. Love it. Uh, yeah, that's my number three. They've had so many great matches together. And again, just revisited last year. They had three more matches together last year. And they teamed for the first time last year and going into this year early. So, like, I, I can't say enough. I'm yep. sure we'll do that feud at some point, but man, Tanahashi Probably Okada. Probably not over. <laughs> yeah, it, it's an all-timer. It's I feel almost like it's a shame I didn't put that as number one, and that's only from what I know about it. Right. Once I go, dig deeper, I might look back and be like, nope, that was number one. I'm wondering if wrong. we have the same number one, James. But we might. We're on number two right now. So my number two is CM Punk versus John Cena. My number two is Kevin Owens, Kevin Cena versus awesome. Sami Zayn. So it's got to be number one, right? You say it at the same time? Yeah, number one. Chompa, Johnny Chompa yeah, versus Gargano. Gargano yeah. <laughs> Feud of the decade. So I guess we will probably hold off on ever doing, uh, not ever, but undoing one of those for a long time because I think that there's more to come with that story. We keep waiting for like one blow-off match. And yeah. When we first started this, when we were doing Brett Owen, we had talked like we think we're going to get Gargano Ciampa and as soon as we get that, maybe we can do that feud. Right. And that was going to be the takeover main event before Ciampa got injured. Injured. And yeah. whole world changed as far as that feud goes. I feel like there's probably another chapter with that one. But yeah. I think um, so. I guess since we haven't given it too much airtime over the, the this year, go watch everything you can find on the network. Um, they've had, I think, four matches or three or four matches. Plenty of matches together and. Yeah. Their tag team, obviously. They had DIY. the Cruiserweight Classic match and then the three TakeOver yep. main events. They main evented TakeOvers three times yep. in one year. And one of the cool things about that feud is essentially it started as like this kind of professional rivalry. And then they became a team for like, what, two years, mm-hmm. right? This entire like year and a half, two years, whatever it was that they were a team, 
you knew, you knew, you knew from the second they teamed up, Ciampa's going to turn on Gargano. Right. Like, Ciampa's called the Psycho Killer. Johnny Gargano's (laughs) called Johnny Wrestling. Yeah. Totally different characters, but they decided, like, we're both new faces. We're both trying to make a name for ourselves. We'd be better off pulling our resources than trying to do it individually. So Mm -hmm. they became a team. And right away, you know what's going to happen. And so there are, like, these teases real early on. Like, you know, very subtly done. But, again, we love subtle things. Yeah. And so you think it's going to happen here, and it doesn't. And then something else happens. And two months later, you're like, oh, this is where Champa turns. And it's not. And then five months after that, like, this is where he does it. Nope. Well, you think after a while it's like they're almost like a New Day, you know, mainstay to where you're like, they're just going to let him ride it out as a tag team. That's it. They and you kind of forget about trust. it. Yeah, finally, they gain your trust where, like, no, they're DIY. This team works. They're just going to keep as a team you know they're gonna stay as a team because they're so good together and then when you're nice and comfortable you know like a good like four five months after they made you forget like one's gonna turn maybe six months after they made you forget Tom's gonna turn on Gargano that's when they pull the trigger on the turn and it all makes sense because they spent like a year and a half planting seeds for it got you comfortable and then hit you with the gut punch it's. It, I mean, and that's to say nothing of what happens when right. the feud starts proper. <laughs> the heel turn. I mean, heel turns rule, right? And that heel turn is one of the best. Is that the first time they did a? They show the copyright. It's the second time. The okay. first time was again one of our feuds where Kevin Owens powerbomb oh, Sami Zayn okay. after he wins the title. So yeah, they do the copyright to make you think it's over. They're standing there holding their arms up, and then. One Chama last turns thing. on him, so yeah, we won't go into it anymore because of uh, you know we'll have a, a feud of, at some point. Yeah, we'd like them. to do but, that down the line. But... All right, James, before we leave, yes. I have one more easy one for you. All right, do wait, I, ha- I did have an honorable mention okay. of match or uh, feud is New Day versus Usos. I forgot to mention. Oh yeah, but that was um, almost a match of the decade. That's Hell like, in a cell match, <laughs> like lasted ten years. I know, um, and it never gets bad. Yeah, it's. Every time. It's awesome. Yeah. I love that that feud. So you had on your list for awards was favorite thing not mentioned. Okay. Which I feel like is a good one to go out on. All right. Um, maybe minor. Mine was pretty minor, but still make sure that we, we cover all of our bases. So what do you got, James? I wrote down 10 things. What did okay. you write down? I wrote down one thing. One thing. All right. <laughs> Actually, no, I did write down two things. All right. So we covered some of that here and okay. some of this other stuff we've covered in other episodes. So we mentioned one of mine in passing. All right. Um, but it's the best of the Super Junior Tournament. All right. Talk about that. I love that, it yeah. so much. Every New year Japan it's Pro just Wrestling. A, like a cruiserweight tournament that lasts I don't know, a month, but it feels like it's every freaking night. Every match is like high octane, like just super intense, hardcore matches. And I just love it. It's my favorite time of the year in wrestling because it's just so concentrated, you know, amount of wrestling. Okay. All right. So I'll do my 10 real quick. Okay. Okay. Number 10, uh, WWE Funko Pops. Awesome. Number nine, uh, Money in the Bank 2016, where all three members of the Shield ended up as WWE champion on the same night. Number eight, The Shield's initial run. Mm -hmm. Um, Number seven, AJ Lee's character work. She really, I think, was the one to bring the women's evolution to the forefront. It was like a bridge, right? It was, yeah. She bridged the divas to... The four horsewomen. Uh, so she, I thought, deserved to mention. Six, uh, 
everybody talks about the pipe bomb. Ju- almost as good. CM Punk's contract renegotiation two oh, weeks later so on Monday good. Night Raw. Uh, five, the commentary to Omega Okada 1 with uh, Kevin Kelly yep. and uh, what's his name? Steve Carino. Yep. Number four, uh, network tournaments like the Mae Young Classic, awesome. the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah, number th- the European one. Number three, New Japan World. New Japan yeah. Pro Wrestling on-demand service. Yeah. Number two, um, Shinsuke Nakamura's five-star ball arm. Okay. Where he was feuding with AJ Styles, who has the five-star forearm. Yes. And, no, the the phenomenal ball arm. I'm sorry. Right. AJ has the phenomenal forearm, yeah. a springboard forearm off the top rope, and Nakamura would just, like, low-blow him with, like, his bicep, essentially, <laughs> yeah. part of his arm, and so we started calling that the phenomenal ball arm. And also his passive-aggressive, passive-aggressive relationship with Renee Young. And, but my number one thing... Big four pay-per-view weekends, which was oh, a combination awesome. of like, you know, like the four or five hour pay-per-views along with NXT and at WrestleMania, also the Hall of Fame. Love it. Looks so next to it year, year. it'll be a five pay-per-view with AEW possibly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Who and knows? Apparently they're removing takeovers from the big four. Oh, okay. So yeah. So AEW might take Slip its in there. place. You never well, know. Well, my, my number one is going to feel very anticlimactic after an hour and a half of this, but I just didn't have a spot for it. And I loved the <laughs> Ronda Rousey's <laughs> first match at Mania. Um, oh my gosh, that's a great one. I love that. I, w- I was a huge Rousey fan in MMA, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, this is cool. She's going to come out. There's just... I just had a bad feeling that it was not going to be good, <laughs> that okay. she was going to be a bad wrestler, and it's going to be really like hard to watch. And a minor thing that I was really excited, hoping for, that I also didn't think was going to happen, was that she would come out to the same song that she came out to. Joan Jett's Bad Reputation. UFC, which is... Which they hit the music and it was that and i was so like holy crap they did it yeah um of course for ronda rousey they would fork over the money like they did for cult of personality but still i just love that they did that um and then she gets in there and she's freaking awesome like i I don't know what everybody else thinks about but like i just no she's so good Um, i haven't heard anybody bad talker matches like it's almost like she blew everybody away with how good she was and she just kept blowing them away because she kept being so good yeah and she um they kind of like first year as a wrestler ever they kind of like protected her by having to be like a tag team with like kurt angle and it's kind of a schmoz thing um but it was just really entertaining and really fun i loved it would it have been better if triple h pedigreed ronda rousey and pinned her (laughs) i I was surprised that that didn't happen i'm Um, glad it didn't happen i thought of another thing as we go out which is (laughs) in theme with our um our podcast is the festival of friendship yes um i love kevin owens and the festival friendship is awesome Mm -hmm. so that is where he turns on chris jericho in a feud that we will talk about someday. So. Yes, but I think better than all those things, yep. the best thing we haven't mentioned so far of the decade, the Pull Apart Podcast, easily dun, dun, number dun. one thing of the decade. Thank you for joining us Thank tonight. You. I'm James. Here's to 2020 and a whole new decade of wrestling. That's right.